0: Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ. And today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at colomunda.church. Anyway, we're starting a new series today. Now that we all know who we are, who's been getting dressed appropriately this week? Now the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. I hope no one walked in naked this morning because, okay, that last week it was to get, get dressed for success. And so we're, now we know who we are. We're moving on to a new series called Devoted More Than a Sunday. And the real key is, and I've said this before, if you remember, there's when you know who you are, you know what to do. It's a little bit like um, I heard the story of a pastor and, he was as uh, a big pastor. It was actually it was Craig Rochelle, and he's like got a massive church, Life Church. And he tells this story about how he was looking out his window of his office, and he saw these like two people on the street having this argument. And they started to have you know getting more feisty and feisty, and it being Craig, real, real testosterone. And he's like, oh, "This is awesome. We're going to see a fight." So he calls all the staff over to his. Everyone, okay, get over here. There's going to be a fight outside. And he's like getting all excited, and all the staff are getting there, and they're starting to get into it. And he's like, oh, "I should go down and watch." And as he gets going down, he goes, he just stopped himself, and he. Thought, Thought, I'm a pastor. What am I doing? And he tells this story about not only is he a pastor, I'm a Christian. And I'm encouraging the staff to get it around this fight. Anyway, the essence of the story is when you know who you are, you know what you should be doing. And so we've been looking at identity in Christ, knowing who we are as children of God. And now out of that, our devotion to God, living lives that are more than a Sunday, come naturally to people that know who they are by the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope that makes sense. Um, And so this morning, I would love to just kick this series off. If you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to go to Acts 2, and we're going to read seven verses from 2, verse 40 to 47, in the Word of God. And these are wonderful, wonderful verses and a wonderful place to start. But I just want to let you know, I'm actually not going to be preaching on all these verses. This is to set up this series. So we're going to set it up. Uh, And I love in the New King James, in the little parentheses where it's got a little title put in. So go away and chew on that one. But anyway, it says in the parentheses, a vital church grows. And I just, as I read that, it felt like God just quickened me. says, that's Calamunda. It's a vital church. We are a vital church. We are different from other churches in the community and that's good. That's how God wants us. We are vital to the community here and we're going to grow and grow and grow to make more impact for Jesus, not for numbers sake. You know, it's not about numbers, although God did write a book called Numbers. So he's interested in numbers because a number is a person and every person counts. And so numbers are people. So, so a vital church grows. So this is our, our, the day of Pentecost. The church is born. And we see some things here. Let me read it to you. Verse 40. Uh, Okay, I've got the NIV on the screen. I'll read it from the screen. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. This is Peter preaching. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day, so pretty, pretty good altar call, yeah. Like three thousand coming to the church. They've heard the gospel and they're coming to know Jesus. This is what's happened. Verse forty-two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now you could do a great four-week series on four things that they devoted themselves to. But there's way more than that in this passage. As you keep reading, everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs, I see signs, I see wonders, were performed by the apostles. Notice that, performed by the apostles, yeah, by them. God gives you power to do things. Yes, through you, it's his power, but it's you that's going to do it. not just going to stand there and say, Lord, just heal somebody. No, he wants you to go up and command sickness to leave that body and be done and gone. He's using you. Next slide says this in verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in Common, that's a real powerful thing. God loves unity, so they were devoted to a lot more than just them four things. To, to unity, they sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. They were devoted to sacrifice, sacrificial giving. Isn't that powerful? Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and, and enjoying the favor. This is interesting enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love this. A vital church grows. A vital church grows. And, and this early church was a church that was devoted. Fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ is what they were. So I want to kick off this morning by saying that the first thing that they would they devoted was, which is on there I think, themselves. They devoted themselves on the next screen. Do you notice that? They devoted themselves. They devoted before about what they did for Jesus, before about the things they do. I want to encourage us this morning that what God is looking for is in that last song that you would just give him yourself. That you would just devote who you are to him above all else. That's the greatest devotion that he's looking for. The reason is because you can still be devoted to the apostles, to the Bible, and not devote yourself. Many people know the Bible and can quote scriptures and have memorized it and can meditate on it, but they're not devoted to Jesus. Many people can be devoted to fellowship. Just because you're on board doesn't mean you're on board. Just because you're in the building doesn't mean you're on board with what God's doing. People can be devoted to fellowship, but have you devoted yourself first? You can be devoted to prayer even and pray prayers that you're praying these prayers, but you really know you're not devoted yourself to following through on these prayers. But hey, I'm devoted to prayer. I'm a prayer. You can be devoted to things, but the first thing I just caught my attention is they devoted them. They devoted themselves. This series is all about being more than a Sunday. What does it mean to devote ourselves to Jesus? What does a life of devotion look like? What does it look like when he is first place in my life? What are some things that happen when he is number one? I love this quote from Francis Chan. says this, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. That's powerful. Our greatest fear shouldn't be failing, but actually getting to the end of our life and looking back and saying, "What I succeeded in so many things that just don't really matter. Jesus put it this way. He said, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your very soul? What good is it to look back and see all the labour and all the energy and everything I put into and everything I put energy into and go, that wasn't even for the kingdom. That wasn't even about the kingdom. It really didn't matter. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't do life and have jobs and and do things and play sports, but I'm not saying that at all. But everything, if you devote yourself to God first, all these things are, are for Him. All these things are your devotion to God. So I want to give you a few thoughts this morning. Uh, for for in fact, if you're taking notes, what a devoted life looks like when we first devote ourselves. And number one, it is moving from being a believer to a disciple. Believing in Jesus um, isn't what is, uh, sorry, believing in Jesus isn't necessarily what brings salvation. That doesn't sound right, does it? Because the Bible says this in James uh, 2, it says, Do you believe that there is only one God? Good, the demons also believe and tremble with fear. Even the demons believe that. So it's not just believing, although it is, hear my heart here, it is believing and trusting, but not mental assent. Not just knowing Jesus was a historical figure, figure, but believing in him. God doesn't call us to make believers by the way Matthew 28:19 says to go into all the world and make converts no it doesn't make disciples it says it says to move don't just make believers make disciples did you know in the New Testament the word Christian is mentioned about 3 times in the New Testament the word disciple is mentioned 230 times in the Gospels and in Luke. Why? Because a Christian is a disciple. You can read the word Christian and just replace it with disciple. You can read the word follow and replace it with disciple or believer, anything you want. See, we are called to not just believe, but to be a disciple. And this is the call of the church is to go and make disciples. I like this quote on the next screen. says, a disciple is one who responds to the call of Jesus in faith, resulting in a relationship of absolute allegiance and supreme loyalty, through which Jesus shares His own life, and the disciple embarks on a lifetime of learning to become like His Master. Jesus calls us to be devoted, not just to believing, but to discipleship. And and uh, you know it's a sort of an out of fashion word in some ways, and we've heard it, the term used like it's an apprentice. Uh, it's it's a student. Uh, it, it's all these things, that, but but a disciple. I want to tell you this: the best I reckon definition you can get is when to be a disciple is to orientate your life in a certain direction that is completely focused and following on Jesus. To orientate your whole life, we see that um, when Jesus called some fishermen to the, to him, these fishermen in Matthew 4:19, he said, "Come, follow me." Jesus said, "I'll send you out to." Fish for people, and it says that at once they, they left their nets and followed him. Now, no, who knows that when a rabbi would call a, a disciple to him, that person would would leave everything. It was they were ready to go. They left their, their life behind them. It says they dropped their nets. They they dropped things. So to be a disciple is to continually see things drop off your life that are holding you back to be able to follow Jesus and, and leave some things behind. And it's not just a one-off. The discipleship is ongoing. It's a lifelong commitment to follow. Jesus. How are disciples different from believers, you ask? Well, the cross, for starters, a believer looks to the cross for salvation. A disciple picks up a cross. A believer, when it comes to obedience, obeys God if it's convenient. A disciple obeys no matter what the outcome. When it comes to decisions, a believer is someone who's decided once. A disciple decides daily to follow Jesus. When it comes to our focus, believers focus on eternal life. I'm going to heaven. A disciple focuses on eternal rewards. I want to know I'm living for heaven right now when it comes to scripture a believer we sometimes like to twist the bible to fit our lifestyle a disciple works to make his or her lifestyle resemble the teachings of the bible Eternal impact. Believers are focused on just making it to heaven and getting over the line. Disciples are focused on. So, this morning, are you a believer or a disciple? And they are the same thing, of course. Don't don't come and theologically banter with me. After I know I understand that that, that to believe is to be a disciple. But are you taking up the call to be devoted to discipleship, to be a student of Jesus Christ? Yeah, to be in His circle. The second thing is to be devoted is to move from having Jesus as your savior. To your Lord. And this is a whole lifetime series. (laughs) This is the rest of your life to preach on this. But it really is. I love having Jesus as my Savior. I hope you do too. I can still remember the time of, and I won't tell the whole story, um, but I just remember that time of walking through the city. I left my car somewhere and I was just walking and walking and so filled with the things of the world and so empty inside and i needed some saving man i needed to be saved and that night i was led to just go to langley park where steve grace was playing his concert and i was just i was just shipwrecked my life i just was empty and nothing uh, in, inside of me, on the outside, it might look fine, but I needed saving from my sin. It was self-destruction on the go. And I just remember receiving Jesus afresh, recommitting my life to him, getting baptized. And man, I just needed that saving. And then I remember thinking, I love Jesus as Savior. And one thing, I love this quote, Jesus is a better Savior than I am a sinner. Jesus is a way better saviour than you are a sinner. So don't ever think your sin's too much or too big. He's a better saviour than anyone can sin. You should see how he can save. And he can save from any situation, from the depths of despair, from the rejection that you've faced, from what you've lost. He is a saviour. But he doesn't just call us to have him as saviour. He calls us to know him as Lord. Romans 10.9 says, If you can declare with your mouth, Jesus is saviour. No, it doesn't say that. It says declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Call him Lord. That's the, there's, a, there's a sense of difference there. Now this isn't what some call lordship theology where you've got to do things to be saved. But when you are saved, you want him to be your Lord. He says in, in, in Luke, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? It doesn't make sense if someone's your Lord and you don't obey them. To know that he is Lord is when obedience comes into your life. And again, it's not perfection, it's life orientation. It's orientating your life to obedience. What does it mean to obey God as my Lord? Well, it means a little bit like what Abraham experienced. In Genesis, old Abraham hears from God and God says, I want you to take your son, your one and only son, Isaac, and I want you to take him and sacrifice him on a on the mountain I'll show you and you know your Bible says that early the next morning Abraham got up and left if that was me it would not say early then as soon as straight away it was instant obedience you know that God is your Lord when you just want to obey instantly not out of duty but out of delight because you know his ways are better than Brad's ways yeah And that obedience comes. And sometimes there is a discipline in it for sure. We need to be disciplined to obey, but we don't worship being disciplined. We worship Jesus. If you love Jesus, your discipline will take care of itself. It's not the other way around. It's loving Jesus, putting Him first. He's the highlight of your life, the delight of every decision. And then obedience will come. And Abraham's walking. And He's walking. And He's heard from God. And He's obeying God. And He gets up to that mountain. And God is his Lord, and he's uh, got Isaac on that altar. And there he is, and he lifts the knife, and he's about to slay his son. And he's, uh, he's just that committed to the will of God. And God goes, Abraham, Abraham, and speaks to him twice. And when God uses someone's name twice in the Bible, it's like a covenantal language. I'm going to make this as a covenant with you. And, and he's like, Abraham, Abraham. But I sort of think also, he, Abraham was so set on doing the will of God, he needed to catch his attention twice. It's like, Abraham, didn't he hear me the first time? Abraham, stop it. I know you're so obedient, but this is getting ridiculous. I'm calling you to stop right now. That's the type of obedience. When he is your Lord, you're ready to follow through and obey what he says. And he says, don't harm your son. He says, for now I know that you fear God. Did you know that story, Genesis 22, is the first time that I notice the word worship in the Bible. The word worship could be the word devotion. And it's used in the context where... Abraham said, me and the lad are going up yonder to worship. And I am pretty sure there was no band or music on that mountain. (laughs) We're going up to worship. Abraham's definition of devotion was that Jesus is, God is, his Lord. Someone once made a statement, I don't really agree with it. It says, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And it's really good if you've got to God, I want to convict a crowd and make you feel guilty about stuff. He's not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. It sounds, I don't. I, I, Jesus is Lord of my life, but I'm still a work in progress. But I'm orientating my life to say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. Help me. I want to obey your commands. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I repent and I turn from my sin and I turn to God. And guess what? It's not. It hasn't all finished yet. It's still happening. And I'm so thankful that He's just walking with me, Abraham. What about Peter in the boat, when he's in the boat and he's fished all night? And this is a good definition of when Jesus is your Lord. He's fished all night and they see Jesus on the shore. And Jesus said, yeah, oh, you caught no fish. He says, why don't you throw your net on the other side? And you can just imagine these experienced fishermen who know what they're doing. And the carpenters yelling out how to, how to, how to do their fishing. And he's like, we're stuffed. We've been all night and we've caught nothing. But Peter makes an amazing comment and he says, nevertheless, Jesus, at your word, we'll throw the nets on the other side. And he throws his nets on the other side and they get such an amazing catch. It's a miracle catch. It overflows. Why? Because the difference, sorry, the gap between your mess and your miracle is when you say, nevertheless, at your word, God. When you say, I don't know, this doesn't make sense. I'm walking with my son to sack. It doesn't make sense. And praise God, God will never ask you to do that, by the way. He's only ever asked one person, Abraham, He doesn't ask anyone to do that anymore. It was a different... uh, uh, time Uh, but but there'll be times where God asks you something that doesn't make sense throw your net on the other side do it a different way Uh, uh, do this in your business differently do this in your marriage differently and and the different the way to get to that miracle is when you say it doesn't always make sense but nevertheless at your word come to church every week oh I can't do that nevertheless at your word I'll be here in the house of God why not because we want numbers because we want disciples want people growing want you to become all that God has created you to be and to thrive nevertheless at your word I'll be at the next prayer meeting. But it doesn't make sense. It's, you know, prayer meetings. Prayer, prayer, be at the prayer meetings. Nevertheless, he wants me to pray. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Lordship of Jesus. When the Lord says it, that settles it. Uh, the third thing from to be devoted, and again, I can't wait to get into the book of Acts in some more specifics. I'm just setting a foundation here about giving ourselves, is, is to not just be found, but to move from being found by God to following God. Now I'm so glad that God found me and, and we're going to see that in this place just like Friday night as people found, Jesus found them, they found Jesus, they found God, that's great but we want to see people move from being found to a devotion of following God. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 4:19, come follow me and I will make you fish for people, he said come follow, to be devoted is to follow you know there was a when a rabbi in this time in ancient times would call someone to follow him because they would uh, go to the places where the students were had done all the training and and that sort of thing in the jewish jewish culture And a rabbi would call someone to follow him. And Jesus knew these words. That's what they would say. They would say, come follow me. And then there was this ancient saying, what they would say when the student was picked and selected to go and follow this rabbi and orientate his life to his teachings. He'd start to walk like that rabbi. He would have his mannerisms. Because he was called to follow him in such a way, he started to resemble his own rabbi. Then Jesus knew this. This is what it was, to follow the rabbi. And there was a saying they would say to the student, which was this, may the dust of your rab- may, you, sorry, may you be covered in, with the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. And what, are saying, what they're saying there essentially is, follow him so close. Follow him so close. Don't let anything get between you and your rabbi, that there's literally the dust of your rabbi on you, that you're becoming so much like him. See, this is so much different today. In this generation, we've got to be careful when we think of following. We think if I'm following someone, I've clicked the button. I follow them on Insta. I follow them on Twitter. That's not following If You were found, but are you following him? It's more like this. I remember many times, I'm sure you've got a story, when you're in a car and you're trying to get somewhere and you're following somebody. And you say to them, look, I will follow you. And when you're following somebody in a suburb or an area that you've never been before, who knows that every all your senses are heightened because you want to stick with them. You know, you've got to move fast when they move fast. You've got you to move slow when they move slow. You've got to see where they turn. And you're always on point. You're following them. You're, you're attentive to where they're going. And if somebody gets in between you, you're like, no, get out of the way. And so you speed up and take over and, and do this sort of stuff. And I want to tell you, so as it is uh, in... Um, In Google Maps, so it is in Google Spiritual. Because when things get in the way between you and your Saviour, it's time to move them out. It's time to say, get out of the way. I'm I'm moving back. I need to be closer. Following Jesus is being in step with the Holy Spirit because I'm devoted to Him every single day. Hallelujah. Never let Him out of sight. Let nothing get between you. I want to tell you this morning, the truth is there is no such thing as neutral. When you're following Jesus, you are either going forward or you are going back. There's no such thing as just staying. If you think you're in neutral, you are going back. And and, and Jesus is calling you to, "Hey, come on, follow me. Follow me. I've got good things for you." Yeah, we want to follow His heartbeat this year here at Kalamunda, and that's why I'm going to my last point. And Abby and the team can come back up shortly if they're happy to uh, from moving from believer. No, I'm a disciple. From, he's not just my saviour, he's my Lord. And I do what my Lord says because I'm not out of duty, out of delight. He's got good plans. He's, I'm not just found, I'm following. And lastly, to really be devoted is to move from comfort to the cross. From comfort to embracing the cross. You know, it is really a wonderful thing to be secure in your salvation. We should have so much security in who we are, in whose we are. But did you know security is way different from comfort? Security gives you strength. Comfort can make you weak in the the, the wrong sense of being comfortable. And God doesn't call us to be comfortable. Uh, He calls us to take up our cross. It says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would follow me, or you could say it this way, and I believe this would be exactly accurate. If anybody wants to be a Christian, so it's not, sometimes in church we think there's like there's like two classes, there's sort of like Christians, you know, and then there's real Christians, like the, the disciple ones, That they talk about disciples, they read their Bible, they pray. No, no, this, this is just one standard according to God, it's following Jesus is to be a Christian. So if anyone wants to be a Christian and come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel would save it. See the the upside down kingdom? What you try to hold on to is you're going to lose. What you let go of, you'll find real life. For the gospel will find it. Devotion to Jesus isn't adding Him to your life like an insurance policy. Devotion to Jesus is giving Him your life. I love the story of the chicken and pig that were walking down the road. True story, they're walking down the road and they're looking up and they see this big billboard and the big billboard says, free breakfast, bacon and eggs to feed the poor. And they're so touched with compassion and and the chicken just looks to the pig and he says, mate, I think we, you and me should get involved in that. I think, we could, I think we could help this week. Come on, what do you say? I'm prepared. I'm prepared to go and help with this breakfast to feed the poor. The chicken's talking to his mate, the pig. The pig just looks back at him and snorts, sort of oinks, And he says, mate, for you, that would be a contribution. For me, that'd be a commitment. <laughs> and I want to ask you this morning in all seriousness, are you the chicken or the pig? Because we need a church full of pigs if we're going to really do things and see things for Jesus. Amen. Not just to just to give him a bit and to contribute here and contribute there, but I'm committed with my life. That's what taking up a cross is. Everybody back then, when Jesus said this, all the people knew what he meant. We've seen people take up crosses around here, and when they are carrying a cross, they're going to die. And Jesus says, "Yeah." And I'm calling you. You want to follow me? You want to be a Christian? You've got to die to yourself, to your life, to your ways, to your agendas. And I will give you my life. And this morning for some of us, we need to die again. Because a believer may have done it once, but a disciple, Paul says, I die daily. Every day I get up. And as he puts on his armour, and then he says, not my will be done yours. I heard the story of a missionary and he was going to this, this, this dangerous place to be a missionary. And before he went, they were just warning him of what could happen and, and the, the locals and how dangerous it could be. And they said, look, you, you may lose your life on this trip. And he looked back and he said, I can't. I can't lose my life. I've already given it. Have you already given your life? Because if you've given your life to Jesus, you can't lose it. Man can't interfere with it. Man can't stop you. The devil's agendas can't stop you. Your life is hidden in Christ. And God is calling us to that devotion where we have given him everything. The, meaning, the root word of the meaning, deny yourself for that early church, means to separate or to put away with. And it might not be a popular message today, and it, it is a challenging message for us all, but that is the call, to deny, to put away with the old life, my life, Brad's agenda come to Jesus and follow him with my devoted heart. Would you stand with me if you're comfortable just to stand? I want to pray a blessing over you and I and also want to challenge us right now. Oh, it's only ten past ten. It's like early. I was, I was still in bed this time yesterday. <laughs> I had a big sleep in. It was great. It's only ten past ten and I believe God is wanting to do something in your heart not because I have to believe that because I just know his word never returns void and it's gone into hearts if your heart is that fertile soil he's wanting to do stuff so I want to pray over you and I want to then uh, invite the prayer team to come forward to the sides and I'll hand back shortly but there is opportunity both while we're singing and when Nikki dismisses you to come forward and pray but for some of us today we just need to just reorientate our life toward Jesus in some area. Would you close your eyes with me if you're comfortable? Father, I just thank you so much. Thank you that you are here in this place. And Lord, as we just pray, I want to pray a blessing and a challenge over all of us today. The blessing and the challenge that we are so blessed to be yours. But Lord, we want to take steps to be devoted to you. Lord, we don't want to get to the end and look back and go, I did a lot of great things, but they weren't really what mattered. And we know, Lord, that what really matters is you, is salvation, is your kingdom. So just do that. In I pray an impartation over every heart here that would be soft enough to say, Lord, mould my heart towards yours. Well, every head is bowed and eyes closed this morning, mine included. I'm not even looking because this is totally between you and God. So it's just you and God, but it's sometimes wonderful to do a physical response. If you are comfortable too, I'm going to pray a prayer of just reorientating, recommitting my life to to, to Jesus in a moment. And maybe there's an area of your life that you just want to just want to do something to respond and put a line in the sand and say, Lord, I'm just I'm committing that bit to you. It could be one of the points I said this morning. Right now, as I'm as I'm about to pray, just slip up your hand and then you can put it down. It's not for me. I'm not even looking. It's for God, Lord. We just lift up a hand. I'm lifting mine up, saying, Lord, this 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 area of my life, I just it's come to my attention this morning. I just reorientate. I repent. I turn that back towards you, Father. Right now, I just pray for every person, Father, responding to you. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of recommitment we reshift we orientate our life in your direction father forgive us of going our own way in that forgive me father I thank you that I'm clean and holy in your sight now I thank you that you you are just so quick to forgive and realign me and love me and you're with me so so father I just position myself back to that way I just say father I'm coming after you Lord, I make a decision today to be a follower, to be a disciple, to have you as my Lord, Father, and to forsake my way and to obey yours. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.